0: Let's begin in Luke chapter 11. Then we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 11. Verse. 13. I'm going to talk to you today about the promise of the father. The promise of the father. Jesus here is speaking in Luke the 11th chapter this is the gospel of Luke the chapter where Jesus teaches his disciples the prayer our father in heaven hallowed be your name we call it the Lord's Prayer and he goes on as he's teaching them to pray and he tells them he's talking to them about prayer and about persistence in prayer. And persevering in prayer. Let me begin in verse 9 actually. Luke chapter 11 verse 9. The words of Jesus. So I say to you ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. That's a promise. That's a promise that God has given to each and every one of us. And you should make note of that promise. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. If you ask, if you seek, and if you knock, and you do that from a heart of faith, you will never have to doubt whether God will answer, whether God will open, and whether you will find. What it is you're looking for, what you're asking for, what you're seeking after. Verse 10, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, the answer to those questions is no, certainly you would not. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What do you have to do to earn the Holy Spirit? Huh? That was a trick question. I said, what do you have to do to earn the Holy Spirit? The answer to that question is, you don't earn the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not someone you earn. The Holy Spirit is not something to begin with. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not a thing that floats around out there trying to figure out where he's going to land next. The Holy Spirit is a person. And you don't earn the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given by the grace of God he's given. Who is he given to? He's given to those who ask, Jesus says. Now let's turn over to uh, uh, Luke chapter 24. So if you ask, will God give you the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. How do we know that? Because Jesus said so. Yeah, but you know, no. stop right there. I'm going to take what Jesus said. I'm going to take that as truth because I trust Jesus. Yeah, but you know, I had a, no, stop right there. You had a pastor, you had a theologian, you read a book, you heard a sermon that said, but this is how you get the Holy Spirit. No, let's trust what Jesus says, okay? And let's leave it at that. Let's trust what his word says. And I think his word will confirm that what Jesus said right there is the truth. So let's come over to Luke chapter 24. Verse 49. Now this is the context of this verse is Jesus has been resurrected. He is has appeared to his disciples and he is now getting ready to ascend to the father. So Jesus walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. Paul chronicles in, uh, in his epistle to the Corinthians, I believe it is. He chronicles all that, all those who saw Jesus. He was witnessed by over 500 people at one time. He's witnessed, More than once by his disciples, by various groups of his disciples. He walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. So, what we're getting ready to read, the last recorded words of Jesus in Luke's gospel, Jesus says this just before he ascends to the Father. And this is what he says to his disciples He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, that word tarry means wait, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus says, he commissions them, go preach the gospel. But before you do that, go and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait in Jerusalem to be endued with power from on high. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now let's turn over to the book of Acts chapter 1. By the way, the book of Acts was also written by Luke. So Luke... Is the author of the Gospel of Luke. Luke is also the author of the Book of Acts. It tells us that in the beginning here of the Book of Acts. So Luke is writing now in his account that we call the Acts of the Apostles. Let's in the very beginning, let's pick it up in verse 4, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, in being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Luke is recounting in the book of Acts what we just read in the gospel of Luke. Now, he's quoting Jesus. For John, just is what Jesus says, for John truly baptized When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father, and it is the promise of power to be witnesses to Jesus. Jesus is very specific here with his disciples. He said, in Judea, and all, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, starting from Jerusalem, Jesus is saying Christianity will start here in Jerusalem. You're going to be a witness in Jerusalem, but it's going to spread where? To the borders of Israel? No, to the ends of the earth. Do you know why we are in Taylor, Texas on this first day of March 2015? Because that is true. Because that word of Jesus has come true and is still coming true. The gospel is still going. To the ends of the earth. The gospel is still going to people who do not know Jesus, to people who have not heard of Jesus. There are people who live among us who have not heard of Jesus. I know that's hard for us to believe, but it's true. There are also many people among us who have heard of Jesus, and many of those people don't really care about Jesus, they think he's just some crutch. Some myth, something stupid people believe in. But we, who are we? Now I'm going to talk to you today as if you are a believer. I don't know whether you truly are a believer, but I'm going to talk to you like a believer. I'm going to encourage you like a believer. And if you're not a believer, in that encouragement, as I talk to you as a believer and encourage you as a believer, I want you to hear what it means to be a believer, what your responsibility is as a believer. And if you're not a believer, I want you to pray and to ask God to give you his Holy Spirit. Because when God gives you his Holy Spirit, he gives you his Holy Spirit because you have trusted in him. To be a believer means you have received his spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To be a believer means you have received his spirit. And why has God given you his spirit? Jesus tells us right here that you would have power to be witnesses. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem... In all Judea, and all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That means in Taylor, Texas. That means in Williamson County. That means wherever you go, Jesus wants you to have power to be a witness to him. Amen, brother. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to read to you the last verse. Verses, I read this to you last week, but I'm going to read it to you again. I'm going to read actually just verses 31 through 35. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 through 35. Oh, by the way. I'm sorry, I skipped Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, God poured out his Spirit on all flesh. And those believers, those disciples that Jesus was talking to, along with others, a number of, uh, there were 120 of them in that upper room. The Spirit of God fell on them. They were filled with the Spirit. They came down from the upper room. Peter preached a sermon. 3,000 people were saved. We don't have time to do it today, but you can read in your Bible the difference between those believers before they had received the Holy Spirit versus after they had received the Holy Spirit. They went from fear and trembling to boldness that would not allow them to keep their mouth shut even under the threat of death. That is the boldness, that is the power of the Spirit. So here in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, this is what's happened. They've just been threatened forbid to speak the name of Jesus, threatened with punishment. They come back rejoicing. They come back and they pray. And it says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, of one mind, neither had did anyone say anything that he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were Possessors of lands and houses sold them, and they brought the proceeds of those things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. So when they had prayed, they were all filled. Now, we often get hung up on a lot of uh, extracurricular things. We get hung up on, well, did they speak in tongues? And did they do this? And did they do that? Listen, the most important thing that we need to get, if we're going to get hung up on something, let's get hung up on this. Let's get hung up on whether we are being witnesses for Jesus or not. Because, listen, I, 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 um, I was known for many years, people would have considered me Pentecostal. I would have said I was Pentecostal. There's people that still won't come to this church today because they think we're Pentecostal. I had someone come to my office one day and they said to me, Pastor, I don't know how to be Pentecostal in your church. And my response to them is, why do you want to be Pentecostal? Why don't you just be a follower of Jesus? Because Jesus never called a you'll never find in the Bible anything, anywhere where Jesus calls us to be Pentecostal. You'll never see that anywhere. That is a word that men have put on other men. That's a word that was labeled for a movement. But what you will find is that Jesus has called all of his followers to be what? To be witnesses to him. And he said specifically, I have given you the Holy Spirit, not so that you can speak in tongues, not so you can show off your gifts. He said, I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you would have power. To do what? To be witnesses. So that you would have power To be witnessed. Man, I'm not even going to come close to finishing my sermon today. Man, what should I do? Well, we'll just keep going. That's what we'll do. Jesus promised the Spirit so that we would have power to be witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? Well, remember, we looked at five things that marked these spirit-filled believers. Boldness. They prayed specifically, God, give us boldness that we may speak your word with boldness. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to think about the answer in your own heart and your own mind. These are questions I think about in my own heart, in my own mind. So here's the first question that comes to my mind. So I'm just going to talk out loud from my mind. Okay, you listen to me. Here's the question that comes to my mind. When is the last time you prayed earnestly, fervently for boldness that you would be able to speak God's word with boldness? Let me put that in just the real common way of saying this. When was the last time you were desperate to speak God's word with boldness? I mean, we get desperate to pray all kinds of things. We are desperate for all kinds of things. But how often are we desperate that we can speak God's word with boldness to be a powerful witness to him? I don't know. We should pray that sometime. We should. Make that a habit, I think. And when they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke his word with boldness. Here's another thing, unity. When they were filled with the Spirit, they were of one heart and of one soul. One of the indicators of being filled with the Spirit is not just speaking the word of God with boldness, but it's being of one heart and one soul. They prayed for, they fought for unity. When we are filled with the Spirit, we will be of one heart and one soul in Christ. What does that mean? That means that we will want the same thing ultimately. What is it that Jesus wants us to be? He wants us to be a witness for his glory. (laughs) Is this a unifying and driving factor in the church today? Is this a unifying and driving factor in Christ Fellowship Church? It should be. Our unified, our one heart and one mind to be a witness to the glory of God, that should be a unifying and driving factor in Christ Fellowship. It should be a unifying and driving factor a motivating factor in our life. Above and beyond a lot of other things. It says that when they were filled with the Spirit, great power, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. There's that word again, Witness, They gave witness with great power. Why did Jesus send the Spirit that you would have power to be witnesses? Here we see again that they went out and with great power they gave witness of the resurrection. With great power they gave witness. What is our witness? Is it powerful? Do we have one? We all have a witness. You realize that, right? We're all giving witness to something. The question is, what are we giving witness to? And we're all giving witness in some way, shape, or form to Christ. The question is, what is that witness? It could be really glorious or it could be really bad. Y'all all heard my story last week, right? About my bad witness. About the trash and, you know. But we need to think about what is our life constantly giving witness to? When we're not thinking about it, what's our life giving witness to? When we do the things that are just our normal Every day. What are we giving witness to? Getting up this morning and coming here. You gave witness. Whether you know it or not. People in the community. People around you. People in your life. Whether you know them by name or not. Somehow you gave witness by just coming to the house of the Lord to worship with the saints of God and give glory to Jesus, you made a statement about something concerning your life and your witness. Don't minimize don't minimize any form or any level of witness God has given you to glorify His name. Don't minimize it. Great power, they gave witness to the resurrection. And great grace was upon them all. Remember, grace is not just the unmerited favor of God. But grace is the power and the ability to walk in his will. Jacob walked with a limp, but he walked with a limp through the power and the ability that God gave him through his grace. It's okay to walk with a limp. It's okay to bear the mark of God. It's okay to bear the mark that you've wrestled with God, that you've been with God. It's okay to be marked by God, even if it means you walk with a limp. But you walk with that limp, and you proudly give witness that it is the power of God. It is the grace of God that gave you that limp. And that enables you to continue walking on. And giving witness to. God's grace. And God's mercy. And then provision. Their provision. The provision that came through the obedience of God's people. So our witness is given in the love. The boldness, the unity, the power, the grace, and the generosity demonstrated through our lives as followers of Jesus, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't make this more than it is. Don't make this more complicated. I always tell people discipleship is not complicated, but it's very hard. It's not complicated. It's just hard. It's like digging a hole. Digging a hole in your yard is not complicated. It's just hard work, right? If you're going to go out and plant a tree or plant a post hole, you got to dig a hole. It's just hard work unless you have a tractor, okay? It makes it easier. God gives us tools that makes our hard work easier, but it's still hard work. Discipleship's not complicated. It's just hard. Being a witness for Jesus is not complicated, but sometimes it is difficult. To be filled with the Spirit means to live your life ruled by, governed by, controlled by the Spirit. That you don't give place to yourself first, but you give place to the Spirit of God. That you surrender your will for His will. That you lay down your life for His life. That you give place to his spirit and allow his spirit to govern who you are, what you do, where you go. I'm not saying get like all obsessive and compulsive. God, what color socks do you want me to wear today? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Wear whatever color socks you want. Mismatch them if you want to. I don't care. God doesn't care either. There's some things we should never have to ask God about. You should never have to ask God, God, I wonder Sunday morning, do you want me to get up and go to church this morning? You don't have to ask God that. The answer is yes. He wants you to come to church. Why? Because it's a witness to his glory because it's a witness to the world that the people of God have a reason to come together. They are filled with the spirit. They are unified with one heart, with one mind to give witness to one Lord and one savior. To bring glory to his name. There are just some things you don't have to ask about. You don't have to pray about. God, should I steal this money or should I not? No. He's already told us in his word, you shouldn't do that. He's already told us in his word, we should come together. Should I love my wife? She's not very lovable sometimes. She's not in here, I can say that. I'm speaking in generalities. Oh, love your wife. It doesn't say love her if she's lovable all the time. It says, husbands, love your wife the way Christ has loved the church. How lovable are we to Jesus? Are you always lovable to Jesus? Are you always just desperate for Jesus? I mean, come on, let's get real. How long did you reject Jesus? How long did you ignore Jesus? How long did you live your life with no desire for Jesus whatsoever? How Many ways do we send that message still, but yet God loves us unconditionally. Now, to be filled with the Spirit is not trying to figure out every little thing you should or shouldn't do based on how the Spirit leads you. This is the importance of filling your heart and your mind renewing your mind with this word right here there's a lot of things we don't have to pray about because god's already revealed it in his word so being filled with the spirit then is doing what we know to do now i'm not going to go there today because it's already time to go eat but next week we're going to get into the meat of what i wanted to talk about today about being a witness about what the promise of the Father entails. And it entails more than just the power to be a witness. I mean, we could, we could spend all year talking about the Holy Spirit and what that means and what that entails for us. But it's really important that we don't just minimize the Holy Spirit down to just an experience I have when I go to church. Who the Spirit of God moved. I felt him today. I didn't feel him last week, but I really felt him today. Really? Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not something you feel. He better be the person of the Godhead that is abiding and living on the inside of you that has joined you in union to Jesus. That's who he better be. That's who you need to know him to be. He's not something that gives you Holy Ghost goosebumps every now and then. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the abiding presence of God. He lives in you. Christ lives in you by the Spirit. And he gives you the power to walk out your faith in such a way that you give glory to God, that you give witness to Jesus Christ. We're going to look next week at Paul's Uh, exhortation to the Corinthians and he writes to the Corinthians, he says you are our letter, not written on tablets of stone, but written by the Spirit of God in the flesh of your hearts. You, The Bible calls you a letter. You're a letter that God has written by His Spirit for all men to see, Paul says. This is not a confidential letter. You're not a confidential letter. You are a letter written by the Spirit of God, the Bible says, for all men to see. That means you go out from these doors and you put yourself on display for all men to read. You are to be an open book. You are to be an open letter. Have you ever read an open letter to the editor or an open letter to... You you read those sometimes in newspapers. An open letter. It means this is a letter for everyone to see and for everyone to read. This is what the Bible calls us. We're open letters. You are a letter for everyone to see, for all men to see. That's what Paul said. What are those men seeing? What is the world seeing when they read your life, when they look at your life? What is the witness? What is the letter You are communicating. Listen, if the Holy Spirit's writing the letter, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You might have a limp. That's okay. It's a picture of the grace of God. That's what Jacob's limp was. It was a picture of the grace of God. Jacob wasn't ashamed of his limp. Jacob says, My limp shows that I've been with God. My limp is a witness to God's grace. Let God use your life. Everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, let God use it as a witness of his grace. If you are truly filled with the Spirit, if you're governed and ruled by the Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of you, then you will allow God to take your life and use it as a witness to his grace for the world to see. This Wednesday, I get to preach at the Methodist Church we're having Lenten services. You're all invited. If you're going to be in town at noon on Wednesday, come on out to First United Methodist Church, and I'm going to talk about hypocrisy, the nail of hypocrisy. You guys know I've, I've always said this. I didn't grow up in church, and I didn't go to church, just on rare occasion. But I had an opinion about church, and I would voice that opinion anytime anyone brought church up to me. You know why I would do that? Because I felt in, I was really insecure. I really, I really had a desire. I was really ashamed of the fact that I had no spiritual background. I, I really was ashamed of the fact that I didn't go to church. I really felt like, secretly, I should... I was really ashamed. So whenever it came up, however it came up, I would always say the same thing. Well, you know, I don't go to church. It's just a bunch of hypocrites. You know? I was real proud of the fact that I was in a bar somewhere every weekend getting drunk. I mean, that's what the cool people did, you know? We went to the bar. We got drunk. We partied. I'm cool. Yeah. I go to class with hangovers. Yeah. Yeah nickel beer night at the silver dollar yeah we did it baby i'm cool you go to church sure are you kidding bunch of hypocrites and all those people in church they are out there getting drunk with me at the bar only difference is i'm just honest you know they go to church hypocrite you know what i came to realize when i got saved <laughs> we're all hypocrites you're right the church is full of hypocrites i'm a hypocrite you're a hypocrite The only difference is I just take my hypocrisy. It's just a limp I walk with and I say, you know what? It's just a picture of God's grace. It's just a sign of God's grace. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. Freely, I admit it. I admit my sin of hypocrisy. But I thank God that in his grace, he didn't hold my hypocrisy against me, but he nailed it to the cross with Jesus. And in his grace, he has forgiven my hypocrisy, even though I'm still a hypocrite. What kind of epistle are you? What is the world reading? Are you a bitter epistle? Are you insecure and bitter, angry? trying to cover it up with coolness <laughs> that's what I used to be <laughs> just cover it up with coolness I was truly a bitter clinger I'm not now but I was then <laughs> and I didn't even believe the Bible back then but I do now and I trust in God's grace I really do and I really hope you do too And I really hope that in His grace you will be filled with His Spirit. What I mean by that is that you will seek to live your life surrendered to His Spirit, controlled by His Spirit, ruled by His Spirit. That you won't be ashamed of your limp, but you will proudly proclaim, I got my limp by the grace of God. And it's God's power, His grace that carries me that enables me to walk on in life. Let's all stand. So we're going to talk some more next week about being filled with the Spirit, about being a power, the power to be a witness, the power, this is real important, the power to persevere. If you've ever if you've ever been insecure in your faith, if you've ever ever been insecure in your salvation, and I can't imagine that you haven't, I spent the first number of years of my salvation um thinking I was losing it and getting it back year all the time. I'd come to the I can't tell you how many times I'd come to the altar thinking I'd lost my salvation, only to come and get it back, only to leave and lose it, only to come back and get it. Listen, if you suffer from insecurity in your faith, I want you to come, I want you to hear what God has promised you and what God has provided for you to give you assurance. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, Lord, that you so freely have given to us. Not only, Lord, in this written word we call the Bible, that God, we could just go down to the store, any store, and find it and buy it, and read it freely. But Lord, you've not only given us your written word, but more importantly, you've given us the living word, Jesus Christ. And you've not only written your word on paper, but you've written your word in our hearts. You've not only given us letters in our Bibles, but you've written on our hearts, and you've made us letters for the world to read. You've given us the privilege to be a witness to you in this world. To be a witness to your glory. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that you don't exist for us, but we exist for you. You created us for your glory. And in your grace, you have brought us into faith. You have given us your spirit. You have joined us to the life of Jesus and made us one with your son and given us life eternal. Father, if there is any here who have never experienced that, God, I pray that you would just reveal to them right now by your spirit that if they will simply ask from a heart of faith, They can have the assurance of their salvation and they can have the promise of the Holy Spirit and they too can live a life that is filled, that is ruled, that is governed by your Holy Spirit. You will lead us and guide us in the paths and the ways that you have for us. It is our privilege. It is our joy. And it is for your glory that these things are true. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.